today's podcast. Our topic for today is, is the UK cleaning market lagging behind the rest of Europe? I'm Louise and this is Diane and this topic is one, (laughs) thank you, close to our hearts. Um, But you are a bit of an expert on this at the moment, aren't you, Diane? Um, You've just been selected and last week we're speaking at a massive European conference in Paris. Um, And I really want to hear about all the experts you met around Europe and how their domestic cleaning markets are going. But before we go on to that, tell us about the show. What was it like and, and what were you up to? it was exciting it was very daunting obviously it was mostly in French so yes it was it was very daunting but it was a combined show so there was um, a show there that was for all sort of services where people will employ somebody in their own home so work that you do in people's homes so domestic cleaning home care gardening services that sort of thing so that was one part of the show the other part of the show was the silver expo which is basically what we probably call in the UK the grey pound. So talking about services for older people as we have an ageing population. And then the third part of the show was the domestic and home care forum, which is the part that I was invited to speak at, which was basically anybody in the domestic cleaning and home care industries. Some people were in both um, and getting together and kind of discussing the, the topics, the challenges and yeah, sort of figuring out solutions, I suppose. Amazing. So Obviously, you know, we, we're an island. We can be quite insular here sometimes in the UK. What is, well, first of all, how did you portray domestic cleaning in the UK? If you were to sum it up briefly for us, how do you describe it to people that have got no idea? Um, well, the, the first question I was asked was, um, how is the UK domestic cleaning industry supported by the government and how is it regulated? And you can imagine my answer to that was kind of, I don't think the UK government is aware of the domestic cleaning industry in any uh, major way. So, um, yeah, it's, it was very much that it's an unregulated industry. It lacks support um, politically and just generally, I think. And so, yeah, I was kind of coming from a position of it's an amazing industry and there's huge demand, but it's not real. It's a bit wild west out here in the UK, shall we say. I don't really like that description because I want to feel proud of my industry, but it is yeah. hard to describe it sometimes yeah. as much else. And I know we work hard to do something about it, but, but that's not the case everywhere then. No. So it was really interesting being part of the forum because, you know, yes, we we might have left the EU, but we are still Europeans. We're still part of Europe. And what was great was the European forum included the UK because they very much see it that way. So that was a really positive thing for me. Um, but it was also really interesting to learn how different it is. There were also some huge similarities, and I'll come on to those. But when it, ca- when it comes to regulation and government support, there's massive differences. Um, so I was on a panel with um, somebody from Sweden, somebody from France and somebody from Belgium. Um, and so basically we were looking at four different domestic cleaning industries and comparing and discussing the differences between the four. So Sweden, if I can try to very quickly explain the what goes on in Sweden when it comes to domestic cleaning. So if you're a domestic cleaning business owner, you charge your customer, say, 30 euros an hour. And what happens is your customer, so your domestic client, pays you 15 euros an hour and you claim back 15 euros an hour from the government. Okay. And is that set at 30 or is it just 50-50? No, no, it's just 50%. So just using that as an example, the government literally pays 50% of the domestic cleaning bill. So the consumer pays 50 and the government pays 50 as a subsidy, if you like, for the industry. 
Um, in France, they, they've just introduced a very new system in July this year. It's taken a long time to put it together, but they've just introduced a new system in July this year where you can claim back 50% of what you pay a domestic cleaner as a tax rebate. As part of when you fill in your tax return, you put in how much you paid a domestic cleaner and you get a tax allowance of 50% of the cost of that domestic cleaner. Okay. In Belgium, um, it's slightly different. So um, you, you, they actually subsidize two thirds of the price, but the maximum you can charge in Belgium is 27 euros an hour. Your customer pays nine and the government pays the other 18. So, so can you imagine my response when I heard this? You were like, wow. But wow. my question then is why on earth are these governments paying domestic cleaning businesses effectively? So, I mean, I would love the government to do this, but what's the incentive for the government? Why would they do that? I think there were several reasons behind it. Certainly Sweden, um, as one, one of the earliest adopters, I think they've been doing it since about 2003, or at least that's when the process was started. And they were doing it because they have a lot of foreign workers, a lot of Russians work in Sweden. And they found that the black market economy in Sweden was huge and growing. And also that working conditions, if it wasn't in the black market, were terrible. Um, and so they kind of really took an approach that actually we need to change this industry. And so they took the approach was if we subsidize it, then we completely remove any incentive for the consumer to use the black economy or, you know, cash, cash in hand. They completely remove that incentive because it means that why would you choose an unregistered, uninsured cash in hand cleaner if you can choose uh, you know, an insured business and still actually pay a really reasonable price. So that was kind of the first driving force behind it was to get rid of the cash economy. But then it was also a concerted sort of thought process, I think, around women in the workforce. And not, I don't mean the cleaners, I mean, actually women going back to work and encouraging women to work and actually making it easier for women to work by having good support at home. So there was a, a political will from that point of view as well. And they looked at it from a monetary point of view that if professional women go back to work sooner, then actually that costs less than the subsidy. How many of us get calls? Well, I've got to go back after maternity leave. I mean, sometimes it's like 50% of my business. I love it. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, so it was really interesting to just see, and it was, it was a big shock, massive shock. That, and when I sort of started researching it, and I had an inkling before the conference, but I didn't know how extensive it was, um, particularly in those three countries. It's not the whole of Europe by any means, but certainly those three countries are paving the way. It almost seems unbelievable, doesn't it? It almost seems like, well, why would they do this? It's almost too good to be true. And so what's the impact on the businesses that are operating in that environment? Well, what's happened is, I mean, France is so it's too new in France to see what impact it's had on the businesses. But in Belgium and Sweden, it's had a massive impact. It's actually allowed people to grow much bigger businesses. 80% of businesses are still 10 employees and below. So they're still relatively small businesses. But when they don't have the VAT threshold to go through. Hang on, and they, hang on what's this? I know, VAT no VAT. Threshold. It's not a luxury. So why would it be VATable? So do they have VAT in those countries? They do. Okay, not so they... on domestic cleaning oh my goodness and this is something so we only covered this last week or the week before didn't we and it's a real barrier so when they chose to get rid of VAT it was never on it 
I don't know if it was ever on it. I don't know the answer to that question, but it's not seen as a luxury. And I think that's the real mindset shift around domestic cleaning in those three countries. It's, it's an essential. Like care almost, isn't it? Care is essential. Yeah. Like yeah. why should the government tax you on care? And yeah. domestic... Whereas in this country, it's seen as a luxury and, and is this our culture? What do you think? Yeah, and I talked a bit about that in the forum, you know, our, our you know, when we had people in service, you know, that it does it kind of go back to that mentality that rich people have cleaners? We know that that's not the truth, especially those of us in the industry, but politically and to the wider public, is it seen as a luxury or is it seen as a necessity? And I talked a lot about that at the forum that we know it's changing. You know, we know that 40% of 20, I think it was 25 to 34 year olds either have or are looking for a cleaner. So we've got a massive generational shift that's coming, but it's not, we're not there yet. So we, overall, I think most people would say that cleaning, having a domestic cleaner is a luxury, although we know that our clients don't see it that way. And how many times do I get, or you get a phone call from an 80 year old going, oh, I just can't do it anymore. The guilt they feel about phoning me, obviously I'm like, please phone me, but um, they feel terrible. There is a real guilt sometimes around getting a cleaner because they see it as a luxury. And we yeah. and young people absolutely don't have the same hang ups. No. And I think, you know, we get, this is common, isn't it, with older people that they feel guilty because they feel like they should be doing it themselves because they've always done it themselves. And it's, kind of part of their role if you like is to do it and and also with an aging population we've got a younger population that are coming through that want the the help in the home because they're all double income families but then we've got the older aging population that actually physically need the help so interesting okay but I'm guessing that's similar in most countries yeah so what was what was quite interesting actually was that the three countries that I've talked about have really revolutionized the industry I feel but then there were there there was um, somebody there from Greece that I spoke to and somebody there from Portugal they weren't on the panel with us but they were in the audience and came to speak to me afterwards and um, they were saying that it's very much like the UK in their countries it's very much seen as a luxury it's very hard can be very hard to grow a business there is VAT on it or the equivalent of VAT on it. It's a different mindset. So they're hoping that with the examples from the three other countries in Europe, a bit like me, I'm hoping that that's the, the template really for change. And the nice thing is, I mean, if you're telling me that Sweden bought it in in 2003, there are stats, there's figures, there's data. Yes. We know the impact that it's having on their economy. I know that every economy, every country is slightly different, but for any government to bring in a change, they want a case study. And yeah. Sweden's excellent, isn't it? Let's be a bit yeah, more... and that, that that was definitely my thinking afterwards. Like, okay, how do we, you know, promote this change in, in the UK? And yeah, the stats have got to be there. So that's my next step is to find that information and what difference has it made? Certainly the um, the person that I was invited onto the um, forum um, by, she's been involved in this for 10 years. Um, she's been very heavily involved in the French model and helping them introduce it. But she has that information. So I will definitely be liaising with her. And she's already said, you know, whatever information we need, she's there to support us as well. So. But you mentioned, obviously, you gave figures of 27, 30 pounds an hour. Is it capped? Like, what? tell us about the money side. So, like, yeah, <laughs> I don't. So in Sweden, it's not capped. Um, it's just 50 percent. Um, I don't know how that works in reality, but that that's that's what I was told. In Belgium, it's it's capped at the 27 because they will only pay nine euros. Um, so the, the customer is only allowed to pay up to to nine euros that so that's how it's capped wage 
Is that? I believe so. The reason they set it at nine euros was actually at the time they introduced it, which was a few years ago, that at the time they introduced it, that was probably what somebody cash in hand was charging. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to destroy that was a conscious decision and somebody was there from the political committee that introduced this and they said that was a conscious decision to destroy the cash economy around domestic cleaning was to set it so cheap there is just no way a consumer would ever use a cash in hand cleaner wow and and how's it done that because it's really interesting because you know as part of my role I speak to self-employed cash in hand one-man bands or people that are just setting up and they haven't quite registered yet and it's interesting because actually they have quite a different perspective on it. They're like, well, you know, I just clean for my mom and my friend and they don't see themselves as the black economy. No, but they that's how politically a, that's they're going to yeah, find this quite offensive, this conversation. That's, that's politically kind of what they are. As far as the politicians are concerned, they're a hidden, they're a hidden um, income they're a hidden um, service aren't they and and in these countries they wanted the industry to be more open and accountable and it wasn't just about the cash economy it was also about improving working conditions so in Belgium they have a collective bargaining agreement oh, around yeah. domestic cleaning so cleaners have to be paid a certain amount so you know the, the, there is a real political will around regulating the industry far more than we have here um, and it was about what the working conditions I talked about those Russians in Sweden because they would usually come to Sweden with no Swedish and they would sometimes speak well obviously they would always speak Russian but they would sometimes speak English but not Swedish Um, so it was putting them at a disadvantage in the labor force and making them work in the cash economy with no work no sort of like holiday pay terrible working conditions and actually so this was also a drive to improve those working conditions in the industry as well which is definitely something that we would want to get behind because you know it's a it's a tough old job out there yeah oh it's quite interesting isn't it so I, I'd be interested in a collective bargaining agreement because we obviously have minimum wage living wage we've talked about that extensively but you know to have a cleaner's wage which should be more than that and and to change the attitude of an entire public that actually cleaners don't deserve just minimum wage they deserve significantly more especially I think you'd have a bit of a fight especially with people's opinion on the NHS which we often get compared to Yes, and, and that was an interesting conversation around the, the at the forum as well, was that that's quite common across Europe. That's not just a UK thing where people look down on cleaners and think that they're not worth as much. But it has it has changed in Sweden and Belgium because of these changes. So the rest of Europe is kind of still in that same position as the UK when it comes to the, the views, um, a perception of cleaning. Okay. And what does this do? Do you have any idea on the idea of recruitment? Because recruiting right now, getting new people in the industry, it's tough. We've lost a phenomenal amount thanks to Brexit, COVID, you can name anything. But the the, the end result, I think we were talking to, uh, was it Neil from um, Bix? And he was saying 33% of jobs are currently vacant, unfilled in the UK in the commercial industry. Yeah. I mean, it's not great. Has it, has it made a difference, some of these... Um, some of these actions in other countries or are they still having recruitment issues well I think what they found is that because the cleaners are working for on the whole bigger businesses um, then it means that they've got more opportunities so it's starting to change I don't think it's changed radically yet um, but I don't have the information to kind of discuss that I know there are 
still challenges in recruitment in all of Europe. So we had a conversation and I was asked about Brexit and, you know, did, did I feel that Brexit had had a major effect on our ability to recruit? And my answer was, I thought it was a it was hard to tell because Brexit and COVID hit at the same time. Um, and what came out for me was that because the rest of Europe seems to have the same challenges post-COVID with people having left the industry and people having left other industries like hospitality and care, and therefore they're now recruiting our target markets, if you like, um, it seems like the UK and Europe have got the same challenges when it comes to recruitment. So I don't know that these changes have made it, they've just improved working conditions. I don't know whether they've made it easier to recruit yet. You know, that's interesting because a lot of us um, in the cleaning industry feel like we lost a lot of foreign workers. Like it, it really hit hard. But it seems like we may not, that may not be our biggest problem then. If they're all having the same problems, if we talk to where, I'm assuming we're talking Polish, Bulgarians, a lot of Eastern Europe, um, they made up a lot of the cleaning workforce and a lot of them left. Yeah, absolutely. And that was sort of kind of, we were expecting, I was expecting a conversation where in, the, in, the, in Europe, it wasn't as hard because they've now got all our European workers back. Yeah. But that wasn't the conversation at all. That's really strange. It's, it's interesting. It really makes you think about it differently going, well, where have they all gone? Where have all the yeah. people gone? Like, yeah. what actually happened here? How can we suddenly have, like, all of these vacancies? So I don't have... And they, they've got the same challenges in Europe in the home care industry as well. You know, there was a, another, you know, another panel on the domestic home care market and how you can make that a more a sort of interesting and attractive job, job proposition because they're struggling to recruit um, and the conditions are not great. And yeah, so it's it was so similar in so many ways. The only sort of the main difference was the subsidy from the government and the support and the regulation, but everything else kind of struggling with the same issues and talking of the regulation tell me more about that um well it was really around the working conditions so this say this collective bargaining agreements around pay um but also because um all the businesses are a lot more regulated because they're having to declare everything because their consumer is driving that then you know that's that's where the regulation has come in in terms of the working conditions and so that needs to be registered. What a lot of businesses are saying is we want to be recognised as well-trained. We want a best code of practice. Uh, I mean, they kind of exist. They're not enforced by anyone. We know they exist because we go out there and promote it. Um, but did you talk about the kind of best practice out there in Europe? Not, not that I expect it to be different, more that is it enforced or recommended or promoted in any way? From what we talked about, it, that wasn't the main point of our discuss, discussion. But from what I sort of heard during the other panels, it seems very similar in terms of it's it's the training is owner led and it's just falling back on health and safety regulations like we do in the UK. Fine. Okay, so, so we're doing all right in comparison. Yeah. At least we've got some going on out there. We're producing it. And um, I know yeah. released a course on domestic cleaning training, which is revolutionary. So uh, what's your thoughts on us in the UK going forwards? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose I think I went to the forum half expecting for the UK to feel like the poor relation in the domestic cleaning industry. Um, but I actually felt, you know, say government support aside I actually felt that we are quite still quite pioneering and actually our industry is pretty good and stands up 
quite well, despite the lack of subsidy and the lack of support and probably the lack of regulations. So yeah, I didn't come away feeling like the major things. <laughs> yeah, but no, but I didn't come away feeling that we were actually any worse off, if that makes sense. Um, I think there's a lot that we can learn. And I think the the mindset change around cleaning being a necessity rather than a luxury is I think that that could be a massive driver for us that, you know, we as an industry should try and change that perception. Imagine getting rid of that. Imagine getting rid yeah. of that and the cash in hand economy. That would be like, it's almost yeah. too much to even Improved consider. working conditions, helping women into work, making life easier for women in the workforce all over. I mean, 86% of our workforce is female. So it, you know, it helps, um, yeah, womankind as well, doesn't it? And men too, obviously. You all, you know, you're in the industry too, but you know. But it is predominantly female in the domestic industry. It is. Let's, yeah, let's it be is. honest. We 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 like it to be nice and equal, but it's not there yet. Absolutely. Wow, yeah. well, this has been very, very interesting. Obviously, I'm sure there's going to be further. I know you're not stopping here, going, actually, there's some of these need to come in. I know there's going to be further action. Do I say action? Promotion. Yeah, I'm I'm certainly going to be digging for some more information. Those statistics for me are key because that would drive a political will, wouldn't it, to make the change? Um, so yeah, I need to get that information and see where it is and and how we could use it. But also start to, start those conversations. I think you know with the British Cleaning Council and other sort of you know organisations in the UK. Are you aware of this? But but I think conversations don't start at the top. They start at the bottom. They start yeah. with all of us as independent cleaning owners, as self-employed cleaners, as everybody that is listening to this podcast going, oh, there's a different way yeah. of doing it. Oh, hang on. Other people are doing it differently. Have we considered some of these models? What would benefit us? And going, it doesn't have to be the way it always has been. And no. I think those conversations need to start and it will take time, obviously, um, and if anybody listening has a particular interest in this or more information or knowledge, we would love you to get in contact, share this. Definitely. I know there's a few people that we already talked to that we go that are already very interested in what's going on here. So please get in contact. And uh, yeah, if you want to talk about this further and what you'd like to do, please um, give us a message. Uh, obviously, we're on Facebook. Oh, we're all over the place, aren't we? There's a website, you can message, you can text, you can email. Uh, we have Instagram there. We are all over social media. We do have TikTok, but we're not so good on TikTok. We'll get there. Maybe one day, maybe one day. But thank you very much, Diane. Thanks, Louise.